0: Knicks fans, how you doing? It's your boy John of the Macri with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. I am excited for this one. Man, let me tell you, um, there are a select few people that I have been interacting with um, on Twitter, I feel like since the very beginning, um, or it feels like it's since the very beginning with with this person, Um, and now, lo and behold, we write for the same... Same, uh, I was going to say publication, but I don't, I don't think that there are publications anymore. Um, I was going to say website also, but it feels it's more than a website. It's a, um, I don't know, whatever the Strickland is, we both write for it. Um, hailing from somewhere across the pond, which we're going to get into specifically where in a second. Uh, I am pleased, very and honored to uh, welcome to the show, Mr. Jack Huntley. Jack, hello, sir.
1: Hello, hello, hello. finally
0: finally. it's well you know uh, everybody should have a hype man like you are for me you retweet like seriously man my Andrew Claudio God love him who produces this pod and makes me sound professional um, he doesn't even like retweet every single thing that i do <laughs> uh, like jeremy who i host this the pod with every week doesn't even retweet everything you i could count on to retweet pretty much everything i i ever do and um b- before i say anything else i just want to say thank you for that
1: well 100 percent. but uh the flattery is finally paying off you know uh,
0: well that's not why you're here because there's a lot of people <laughs> who, who say nice shit to me but I, you know i don't want to have them on the podcast you well, we're going to get into why you're on, but th- yeah, no, seriously, thank you, dude.
1: Oh, no, it's um, it's all good. I mean, especially the last few months, I haven't been working so with all the COVID stuff. So, I've had plenty of time, uh, ironically, when there's no Knicks basketball. So, I've consumed everything, all the content, but yeah, it's uh, it's been a long time. We've uh, we've been interacting, and yeah, it's crazy, really. I don't know, what was it, three, three years? Four, well, four years maybe. I'm, I'm trying yeah. to think.
0: Well, so I've been on I've been on Twitter. Let's see. How long how long does Twitter tell me that I have been on Twitter for? Cuz <laughs> I feel like Twitter knows the answer to this question. Twitter says that I have been on Twitter since February of 2016, but I it took me like a year and a half to figure out what the hell I was doing. Yeah. Uh, I was the same. Yeah. So, um, I feel like when I was first at the Nick's Wall is probably really? when we first crossed paths, right? Which was about
1: 2017 something like that that was like late 18.
0: yeah it was like late 2017 early 2018 so it's you know it's almost three Good years
1: times. <laughs> oh <my Yeah>. God. <laughs> yes how many knicks players have there been in that in that time period jesus
0: i don't know i saw Melo was talking today about how uh he had he went on a podcast and said he had over 100 teammates that sounds about right he uh, was
1: he was rolling he was Pulling no punches on that podcast.
0: It's are you are you a mellow guy? Remind me. Sorry. Are you a mellow guy? R- remind me. I forget.
1: I. I. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I'm a mellow guy. I'm not like. Uh, I'm not fanatical, but I, yeah, I appreciate him. I think it, it works both ways. It's not all his fault, but he's to blame for some
0: stuff. I I think that's well said. I am I not gonna lie, and the the mellow heads will come after me for this when I saw that he had said. I guess some, I'm not going to listen to the podcast, but he had said some vaguely unflattering things about the Knicks and, and his time here. I was, I thought, to, my first thought to myself was, man, I hope this means that Dole, and not that I ever root for Dolan to medal Um, I am an anti-Dolan meddler, but I was like, I hope this means Dolan walks into Leon Rose's office and is like, if you sign this fucking guy, um, it's your ass on the street. um, no, I, I shouldn't say that. I love you, Melo. You're you're a wonderful person. Um, wouldn't uh, I think it is unlikely given what he said? But he wasn't he
1: wasn't uh, reserving it just for the Knicks. You know, he was going after everyone. So he was at least fair and in, uh, in his uh, critiques, shall we say?
0: Okay. Well, I get I, that's that's. I mean, look, I agree with you, by the way. And I'm clearly, I'm not a Mello guy, but the organization is at least as much to blame for, uh, the failures that, that happened over that time. Um, we
1: don't need to
0: go into that, mate. <laughs> no, we, we really don't. Okay. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, we have to establish a couple things first. One, sure. um, you are in England and then you started to tell me where, actually, did I even get that right? Mm. Are you in England or are you, yeah. because there's, there's England, there's Great Britain.
1: <laughs> did... I'm in England. Okay. And, uh, so if you know where London is, I am essentially directly below London on the south coast. So halfway between Portsmouth and Brighton, two fairly big cities.
0: Okay. Um, That's me. Quite close to France quite close to oh okay so i and there is and there is water between england and france i yeah
1: yeah, there's a a
0: little bit of water a little a little bit of water which i I believe is called a channel right yes okay yeah there you go there you go i i know i know things uh let me (laughs) let me tell you um and you have been there for your entire life
1: well yes i grew up here but um in my 20s i was sort of living abroad fair bit i lived there Uh, Well, I lived lived in New York um, whilst I was at uh, university, so I did a a year of law school in New York.
0: How did Um, I not know this? You went to law school?
1: Yeah, I mean... uh, Where did you go to law school? Technically, I went to law school. I went to Brooklyn Law for one year. It was a strange sort of exchange program as part of my degree, which was undergrad, and obviously over there it's postgrad. So uh, I think me and another English guy were like the youngest people who ever attend
0: Brooklyn Law School or something? Hold on for a second, because, <laughs> uh, listen, very we're, 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 right, listeners, we're, we're going to get to Nick's talk very soon, I promise you. Yeah, I, I apologize. You, no, don't, because I, first of all, I'm shocked that we've been, we've known each other for this long, and I didn't know this. <laughs> what what year were you at Brooklyn Law School? Oh, I was there
1: 2009? I
0: don't know, 10, yeah. Holy shit. So this is so funny, because, um... If memory serves, man, I really should. You there as well. No. no, I didn't. I so no, I didn't. I went to uh, Fordham Law, and I graduated from Fordham Law School in 2010. But <laughs> right, 2000, yeah, sure. Let's go with 2010. But if I did not end up at Fordham Law School, I would have gone to Brooklyn Law School because they uh. they had given me a nice little a little package. Um, but I got into Fordham and, and, you know, the rest is, is history, so to speak. Um, but yeah, if I, if I had got, we would have been, uh, you know,
1: I would have been the weird English guy that people were wondering why he was so obsessed with the Knicks.
0: Well, so that led, leads to my next question is, were you a Knicks fan before you came to New York for, for, as an exchange no. student or what?
1: No, I was a big NBA fan, but I wasn't, uh. I wasn't a Knicks fan, and then I was just sort of overwhelmed by how much basketball there was on TV, and uh, and uh, just sort of adopted the Knicks because they were on all the time, and uh, I probably didn't work as hard as I should have. That's listen, law. Work, working.
0: Working <laughs> in law school is, is overrated. So I I I, I want to nail this down because <laughs> <laughs> this is this is important. So wh- when when specifically did the Knicks hook you? Was it the Jeremy Lin season, or was it? 2012 13 or what was it earlier or later when
1: I honestly I honestly think it was I honestly think it was then when I was just watching I watched every game I went to the garden I mean that was the second NBA game I'd been to when I was like really young when I was I don't know early teens I was in Orlando Disneyland and we went to a game there okay and, and I saw the Celtics play the Magic but you know so I went to the garden quite a bit and it was just someone that was crazy about basketball just to actually go to a game. It didn't matter that, you know, they were terrible. Um, it was just, it was basketball. And so after that, you know, the rest, uh, the rest the and we were good. We were good for, you know, a little bit.
0: Well, that's a what I'm years. saying. When you were here was, was the years that, that they were good. It was, you know, 2000. 2000- well,
1: yeah. I think I missed that a little bit. So I was only there for one academic year. So, I oh nine ten and then ten eleven was insanity right yeah
0: no eleven twelve was Linsanity,
1: right? then- yeah, uh, no. was Linsanity but well. but ten yeah, 10- so, uh, I
0: missed that yeah okay so you were already back there so you got hooked yeah. so you really got hooked I guess if you were if your academic year was nine ten you yeah. got hooked in the lead up to the summer of LeBron
1: yeah it was a uh, clearinghouse and uh, it was Chris uh, Duhon. And-
0: See, I re- it's funny. I remember that year. Thing. I remember that year very well because that was my last year of law school, and I was oh my. Have I ever told this story on the? I don't think I've ever said this on the pod. I was engaged at the time to a uh, a girl that I went to law school with. That oh boy, let me fucking tell you, I wanted nothing to do with this person, but I was too much of a chicken shit to break it off. So I was fully and totally consuming myself with the, the hope that they were going to get LeBron because that was the only thing preventing me from, from basically walking up to the top of my roof and jumping yeah. off yeah. Um, again, because I, I was too chicken shit to, to break off the engagement. Anyway, I, um, I the alcohol uh, helped me out with the, with the, with the engagement part of it. But um, unfortunately it did not help with the LeBron situation, uh, but you stuck yeah. it out. So congratulations to you.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm I'm hardcore. Although I do feel slight guilt, you know, because everyone has the uh the early 2000s uh which I just didn't experience. So I don't know. And I also didn't experience the 90s obviously as well, so I really don't have the harbored resentment for, you know, the Miami teams and the Celtics and stuff. I feel like I should, but I don't quite have it. Uh, That's okay. As, as most Knicks fans do.
0: I it's funny I um so my I've I've never I don't know if I've ever been able to rank Miami or or Indiana in terms of one over the other. I think in my in my heart of hearts Indiana is probably the more the more hated team. No, you know what because we always beat Miami with the exception of the the year of the suspensions um with the with the PJ Brown and Charlie Ward flip um we sure. we always we won. So but Indiana, you know, they actually beat us. So that was, so there's hatred there. But it's funny. And I, you know, I wrote it about Miami for the Strickland today. And I was, and it was funny. I was able to write about the Heat and that hatred that used to co- course through my veins. Hon- <laughs> no, it honestly wasn't but there it was anymore. Right. <laughs> it's weird. The, I didn't think yeah. that went away though. Did, have you ever experienced anything like that where your hatred for another sports franchise just kind of disappears and you just like, you know.
1: Mm, not really, no. Uh, mm, not even with my football team, my soccer team. So I've I've never really had that, but I look forward to having it when the Knicks are good and we actually uh, have some meaningful games. Uh, I look forward to hating someone. That that will be fun.
0: <laughs> so that's that's a good that's a good transition because um. So you've been killing it for the Strickland. You have written oh. about um. Listen, you're you um your writing is entertaining and it is informative, which uh, are, the two, are the two things that writing should be. Um, and you also I that. you do, you also used uh, beaver as a as a verb, which <laughs> even if you had literally done nothing else ever um, that, that puts you in the hall of fame in my book. Um, I feel like you are optimistic about things as they stand. Is that a fair characterization?
1: Very fair. Yeah. hundred percent. I think I, ge- I generally am, but especially at the moment, you know, uh, you know, with the world just in the fetal position in a puddle of tears and hand sanitizer, I can't muster <laughs> the energy to, uh, to like really cry about the next too much. I mean, especially given that I, I do think there are reasons to be optimistic, uh, I understand the pessimism, but I do think things could be different, shall
0: we say. I uh, have always taken the stance, and I will continue to take the stance, that I will be optimistic if I'm given even the slightest reason to be optimistic. And I feel like there are many reasons to be optimistic right now. I'm curious. So you've written recently about Brock Aller. You've written about Walt Perrin. Um, is there? And you've written about the draft, and I know you have some strong opinions about the draft because you you (laughs) comment on on the things that I write about it. Is there one thing more than anything else that is that is giving you um hope right now?
1: Well, I I do think the the hires have been encouraging. I mean, uh, I get that Leon Rose hasn't done the, the job before, and so you should take any enthusiasm about him with a pinch of salt, but. I think he's done the right thing in hiring people underneath him that have done their respective jobs and have been very good at it. I mean, if you take the sort of the, all the experience that, you know, Tibbs and his guys and then Allah and, uh, Perrin and Zanin, you know, there's a lot of experience. And so why would you not be optimistic? It doesn't mean that you have to, you know, be delusional, but yeah, let's be optimistic. We've got, probably the best surplus of assets that we've had in a long time, at least since I've been a fan and we'll see what happens. But yeah, and we've got some good young players. I, I, I am probably overly optimistic about the young guys, but again, that's, that's knowing that uh, it's probably too much, but I enjoy it. So it's fine. No,
0: l- listen, I, I don't know. I, I've gotten, I, man, once upon a time, if you were like young on the Knicks and you showed the ability to, to, to <laughs> like, dribble a basketball, I I mean, you know, Gallin. Oh, my God. Bernard uh, Oz, who comes on this podcast, could could tell you that I've referenced it a few times in newsletters, but I was dead serious when we were in law school. I legitimately sat with him in our in our mock trial office for an hour going th- and he, going through why I wouldn't trade Danilo Gallinari for like every major Star in the league at that time, and I think in my defense, it was like coming off like the showdown he had with Melo um, mm. at the Garden, which I think they, I'm pretty sure Melo had scored him, but they won. And in any case, I was convinced that he had like this, you know, ethereal quality that, like, oh, this he has no fear. He could play in New York. He could shoot the whole thing, and then like you know, Schumpert was another one, obviously. Oh, yeah, you remember Shump. And- I
1: was re- I was reading about him very recently actually. Uh is uh I was reading that book about Linsanity. Um that it was sort of a collection of authors, uh put together okay. articles that they did at the time. And uh yeah, everyone was gushing about Shump, Like the best on ball defender like in the in the league, just tearing people apart in ISOs. Um it's a shame he couldn't do anything else, but <laughs> He
0: was. He had. I. You know what? I will always. A lot of. A lot of Knicks people um, will remember the negatives for them, especially if they've been through here over the last twenty years. For him, I'll remember. Um, he hit. I don't know if it. It was at least two threes, and I want to say it was three threes. Maybe only been two in um, game six against Indiana in uh, 2013 when it was him oh, yeah. and and Melo. And Copeland in the second half, trying to bring them back from whatever they were down. And um, yeah, I remember watching that game in an Applebee's with my soon to be wife, uh, because uh, that's, we, I live in a place called Long Island, which sounds much less sexy than where you live. Um, <laughs> it, it is, it is not near France. It is near New Jersey. Um, actually, it's not really true, but we, the Manhattan is between where I live and New Jersey. So it's, I can't say yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's not where you want to, where you want to be anyway. Um, yeah. So you that's where you watch uh once we watch sporting events out here, but yeah, no, I was super high on, on Chump, and um, I think in more recent years, um, I you know, it's it's I mean, I think we're both members of the Frank Hive.
1: Um, I'm, the, I'm a gold, gold member, I don't know what that is, but
0: yeah, you know, you, you, it's I mean, it's defined, I think, by the property that you own on <laughs> Frank Island. Um, I don't know, I feel like I've taken. I've taken some hits in terms of like, I I don't feel like if, you know, I think at one point in time, I, you probably consider me the president of, or the, the, you whatever the mayor of Frank Island. But I feel like some of my constituents have been unhappy because I've kind of turned a corner in that I'm, I'm not sure I believe that he should be a point guard in the, in the NBA or, or they, that let me rephrase that, that there should be like, Like a dead set, like, okay, he needs to be, we need to continue to try to make him a point guard because especially with, you know, basketball moving in the direction of like the more ball handlers and the more people that can make smart decisions with the ball on the floor at the same time, especially if they could defend, which obviously Frank can, um, whether he's a point guard or whether he's a shooting guard or he's a small forward, he needs to be able to knock down a shot anyway. So I'm I'm kind of of the opinion now, like let's just get the shot right and put him out there with whoever.
1: Yeah, I, I agree.
0: And then now we have RJ and Mitch. Who between RJ and Mitch, who would you say you're higher on?
1: Um, probably RJ, but it's close. Is it okay? It's close. I'm I'm really high on on both of them. I I just I just don't think we can properly uh, hypothesise about what they may be given what they the environment that they've been in so far. You know, it's just it's been so bad that you need to throw everything out the window. I don't know how you can even have an idea about what these guys are going to be in five, six, seven years when they're in their prime. You know, it's just. Assuming we eventually get some kind of point guard, then uh, well, then we'll see. But until that point, I'm just going to be uh, keeping a sort of a blank canvas in in what they in putting any ceiling on either of them. To be honest,
0: well, you're stealing Tibbs's uh, words. You know, not not putting a really? ceiling. on... Well, he said it. I'm not going to put a ceiling on Mitch. Which you know, we'll see. We'll see what that comes to mean. I I agree with you. um to an extent, um, I thought it was interesting. I don't know if you caught, um, uh, Vork had an exchange with, um, the uh, guy who does I, I'm forgetting his name at the moment, uh, nylon calculus, um, about how,
1: oh, yeah, uh, Todd
0: White, yeah, he, Whitehead, I think so. I, I hope I'm not getting that wrong. Um, anyway, where. You where where they looked at you know inserting um, I guess mm. different player archetypes right into yeah, yeah current Knicks lineups and and seeing the effect that that would have you know and then you go and you look at you know not to turn this into a Chris Paul discussion but just you know as an example the <laughs> effect that Chris Paul has on lineups in Oklahoma and that's an extreme because nobody other than LeBron James uh, over the last. Thirty, 20, well, twenty years has had effect on on their teammates like like Paul, but just how big of a difference a, a really good point guard could make, and that's that's exciting to me. Um, but at the same time, I get um. So this is obviously not going to be a secret to you. I'm more confident that Mitch gets to a level where it's like no matter what else is going on, he is going to be a big help. The, the contract issue is another thing, which we don't need to get into, but I guess with, with RJ, I'm him. I'm still a little, I'm a little nervous with him just because I, I wish I could project one elite skill at this point.
1: What about getting to the rim? So that, that
2: is,
0: Yes. That is a that is an elite skill. Four oh, and a half free throw. Yeah. And it's funny, I'm not even worried about the free throw shooting. I guess I'm just worried um about the fact that teams if his finishing doesn't improve mm. you know, and you again, I it, for us to project What any of these guys are going to do in like high stakes playoff games on one hand kind of sounds ridiculous because it's like talk about putting the cart before the horse. But at the same time, you I don't know, that's my my brain automatically gravitates towards like, okay what is this guy going to look like in the second round of the playoffs or, you know, the finals where you're really getting exposed? I get I don't know because if his but then again, how could we even begin to think that what we saw from him as far as his finishing this year is remotely what we're going to see when there were, you know, double and triple teams because they had no spacing. So yeah, yes. maybe, maybe that's going to be enough. Uh,
1: I I think we need to, we need to pause on any, uh, on any sort of definitive RJ declarations. Oh, it's not definitive. It's, I just, I'm, I'm, them, I'm, that's my give a worry. a couple of years, give him a couple of years, take away Alfred Payton and then we'll talk. We'll go from there. <laughs> I
0: think. I like any sentence that starts with take away Alfred Payton. Um, I don't even take away Alfred Payton and make me a bowl of soup. I, I endorse that sentence. Um, (laughs) No. And I, I even listen, I've been like (laughs) Tyler Hill has been very good, but I even wrote it today. I would still take RJ because I'm still buying the work ethic. I'm still buying the size. Like you said, I'm still buying the, the, him getting to the rim. Um, I, j- I yeah, I, j- I want to see him again. I'm like, I want he's to see him again.
1: His catch and shoot numbers are okay as well.
0: Yeah, no, the yeah. I mean, That's listen, okay. I was I was encouraged by the three point shooting numbers actually. Um,
1: yeah, he's this first year. He's it'll be all right. It's funny you you say you don't want to turn this into a Chris Paul discussion. Well, we can but talk well, about Chris. I feel
0: like I, to, I feel like I I have talked about Chris Paul for I don't know how many consecutive episodes of yeah, this show it's enough. been, but it's fine. We could talk about
1: him. Uh I was thinking today and I, and I I think I've changed my mind on Chris Paul. I think I think I am now out on 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 of Chris Paul.
0: What what made the what made the change?
1: Well, okay, so I'll prefix it with, I'll frame it that if it happens, and I think it's the more likely outcome than any other individual outcome, if it happens, I, I won't hate it. Like, it will still be the most incredible thing that has happened during, like, my next fandom. Uh, but I just don't think it's on balance the wisest thing to do. Um, I'd rather go Fred. I'd rather go Fred Van Really? Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so I'll ask you this. How do you feel about the length of next season without fans? So one of your two Chris Paul years, presumably the better year production-wise from him, is going to be how long? What, four months?
0: So... This is an interesting question, and actually, um, so we. Uh, by the way, we have some breaking news, which um, could actually influence the Chris Paul thing. Uh, Doc Rivers has officially agreed to become the next coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, uh, there you go. Who you know, if you if you believe um, if you believe the uh, the the word on the street. Um, you know them in Milwaukee are the two Chris Paul possible destinations, and i I don't know, I don't know that. I mean, Schwinn's been texting, uh, tweeting about this the last couple of days. I don't know that Chris Paul wants to go back and play for Doc um, in Philly, and I do think he will have um, quite the say in where he ends up. As i've As I've kind of said, anyway, um, I have heard that. Oh, okay. I have heard, I've heard. I'm not. I don't want to say I'm reporting this, but people are talking. And (laughs) one of the things I've heard that people that some people are saying is that there, as of right now, are uh, some different options on the table for the NBA next season, and that you know uh, Adam Silver has mentioned the other day, uh, Christmas at the earliest probably January. I have heard that they that February 1st is on the table and I've heard that March 1st is on the table and I've heard that this is, you know, that this is going to ultimately come down to a vote of the owners. Um, as, as should surprise no one, Adam Silver works for the owners. So, this, yeah. you know, it is what it is. So to me, if that's on the table, it, and the other thing that I can say with, uh, this I, I feel confident i don't know if you call this reporting or if this is already out there or if it's just fucking common sense but the the lo- the longer they play without fans they're losing a shit ton of money um yes. so you know w- what do rich uh what are rich uh people uh, like to stay they like to stay rich um and i think if there is a world where fans could be in the seats and they could not be losing money um, what do they give a shit if the start of the season is March 1st as opposed to January 1st? So if you d- now, does that mean to answer your question, what does that mean in terms of how many games? I I don't know, but I also, going back to the point I just made a second ago, less games means less money. So what's to say if they didn't start the see, let's just say for argument's sake, they started the season on February 1st with limited fans or even forget about that MLK day with limited fans for like a month or two and then more fans. And they, they, they played the season full, full season until August or July. Cause you get the season done by July and then two months of playoffs, July to August to September. And then you finish next season, October 1st. Um, and then you have a more traditional two and a half month off season. And then you start the, tw- we're talking get about getting ahead of ourselves. You start the 21, 22 season on Christmas day. That to me yeah. is a very real possibility. So a very, very long winded way of answering your question. Um, <laughs> I, th- I think if, I think they're going to play a lot of games next season, whether it's 76 or 78 or 82, I, you know, I don't know, but I think it will be a lot.
1: I understand the ideal sort of financial motivations. Um, I don't know whether the Olympics is going to scutter that plan.
0: Oh, I don't, think they, in, sh- I don't think they give a don't think they give a rat's fart about the Olympics. That's my, personally, I don't, that, I just, because there's no probably, money in it.
1: It will be quite strange if, I don't know, that all of these countries, there'll just be no good players.
0: I, um, I, I, to be honest with you, I, oh my God, I sound like Charles Barkley. Um, to <laughs> be, first of all, um, <laughs> uh, I, I, I just, with everything that's going on, like, think about it. We may have a vaccine. When I say we, I mean the United States may have a vaccine, you know, by whatever, January, February, March. Um, but around the rest of the world, like, do you really think NBA players are going to want to be jet setting? I I just, I don't know.
1: Yeah. I, I know that, uh, well, I've read that I think Japan, are, they're going to do it no matter what. They, they have to um, economically, but regardless. Okay, so uh, let's say you're right. Let's say best case scenario, they get something that approximates a normal season. Okay, and they and they do get uh, fans in, and everything's hunky-dory, and we all get to watch Chris Paul, and that's wonderful. And he stays healthy because he's a vegan, and that's fantastic. Big
0: if, though, uh, so big if.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's part of the equation, definitely. So that's prong. That was prong one of my uh, Chris Paul turnaround. Um, But even if that doesn't go to plan, have you? Okay, so let me put it like this: If Luca suddenly gets slotted into next year's draft class, does that change your approach to signing Chris Paul? Like magically, if Luca was just suddenly available.
0: So uh, is this a Cade Cunningham point? You know where I'm going with this, yeah. I'm a, okay, I I have said on this podcast and I have written that I think all things being equal, tanking for next year's draft, if it was a full-on, all-out tank, made logical sense. Um, and then I wrote even more recently that I thought that they could even make some improvements and still be in a pretty good position to tank for for next year's draft. I think to now we're talking about me changing. I think the more I think I think the more I think about it. This is great great podcasting here. Um it's also been a long day in my defense. Um I I don't I don't know that there is a realistic world where the Knicks could ever make a concerted effort to be the absolute worst team in basketball and have I it. Ma- to do that. But that, I so if you don't want to do that and you're content being one of the, let's say four worst teams in basketball or five worst teams in basketball, right? Which is what, which yeah. if, if they did not get Chris Paul, can we agree that they would be one of the five worst teams in the league?
1: Um, well, I think there is a route to that. So uh so I don't necessarily need us to be one of the five worst teams. I just want us to have a ticket to
0: Cade. So, so but that's so that's the thing. I think there are there is a path to having your cake and eating it too with Chris Paul. With Chris Paul. Well, for two reasons. One, let's say i in, in I think there is a possibility <laughs> that he comes here. And as has befallen many many a Nick uh, Savior before him, a legend Nick Savior, he gets hurt because he's a 36-year-old boy guard and he doesn't play a whole lot of games and they're not going to have enough on the roster to make up for it. If he gets hurt, they're going to be in a position to tank the hell out of next season, um, whether they want to or not. If they they trade for Chris Paul and they give up stuff for Chris Paul and they commit that much money to Chris Paul – by definition, they're not going to have a whole lot else on the roster. And whatever I don't care what Tibbs does with these guys. It's not going to lead to a ton of wins. So I think they'll have a ticket in that sense. But even if he stays healthy, I think you get to a position where you're, let's say, again, assuming a full season. They play 50 games-ish, whatever. And you get to the all-star break or trade deadline. And at that point, you're in one of two spots. You're either in the thick of the playoff race, which... Maybe that's where I've turned the page the most, in, where it's like, I think a Knicks team in the playoffs—I don't care if it's on Chris Paul's back or not—I cannot, I cannot say that that's not a good outcome. And if you're, no, no, and if you're f- too far away, and if you're like, you know, a meandering nine, maybe ten seed, but you're eh, whatever, three, four games out, um, you know what? Hey, Chris, um, this is—I'm is, Leon Rose now. Hey, Chris. You've had a wonderful year. You just made the all-star team. Um, we're under 500. All NBA is not going to happen for you this year anyway. Um, why don't we take it easy for these last 25, 30 games and we play the kids? And I think the nature of the league next year is going to be such that if you do that, um, you'll get, you keep saying the ticket. I think you'll get a ticket.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. I mean, it's it's two two paths that uh, they both have upsides and they both have downsides, and, and and one doesn't preclude the other. Like you, you could have Chris Paul and you know have a wonderful half a season, then he gets hurt, and then you get what four, five, six percent chance at the number one pick, and uh, yeah, that's enough. But uh, on balance, I would rather pay less money for Fred VanVleet, not give anything up have him as an asset for multiple years, probably lose a few more games. So maybe you get a better ticket. Uh, and I think he still serves a purpose of putting the young guys in a position to see what they are.
0: You know, I think Did he, you think? he you're right. He does serve that. He makes the team better. He makes them considerably better than they were this year. And yeah. I think he helps the young guys. I, but I do think there is that other component of it, of, and this is, this is where I think fans can be very divided. And I, I would respect any opinion on this, even if it is vehemently in disagreement with what I'm about to say, which is that I do think there is something to the notion of getting like the rest of the league looks at you as, OK, they now they're they are a real organization with a real team. And if Chris Paul okayed going there, which they would not trade for him if he's not, if he didn't want to come here, I think that has real weight. And I think that really matters in a way that Fred Van Fleet coming here simply wouldn't. Um, and just to the last thing I'll say on this, you said Chris, Fred Van Fleet being a tradable asset, right? Yeah. I agree that Fred Van Fleet on a $16 million a year deal or $18 million a year deal. Yeah, is a tradable asset. I think what it's going to take to get him, um, is the uh, north of twenty, and I think it's going to be full four fully guaranteed years. And man, I just there is a part of me that uh, I don't know. I don't know.
1: I, yeah, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying.
0: I, it's, my, it, it, I'm a little queasy about it. That's all.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. My, my rebuttal would be. um but I say he's on, what, 23, 24 million, something like that. Yeah, I think sure. that's actually quite a nice number. I mean, the way this is going, where, where we are heading, Chris Paul or no Chris Paul, is that eventually we're going to have enough assets to trade for someone. And when we do that, Fred Van Vliet on a slightly inflated number with a bunch of young assets and a bunch of picks, it's probably going to be quite a nice it's gonna it's gonna be a good chunk of that trade. It's gonna be useful.
0: I think it's I think it's
1: <laughs> but worst case scenario. If we don't if, if Fred Bamblee doesn't become like a uh like an absolute Knicks legend and he doesn't just play out his contract and that's lovely.
0: No, I just I, you know what it is? Because this stuff there's this stuff is so difficult for me to assess because So like Brogdon, people are pegging Van Fleet is like, all right, he's going to get the Brogdon deal. Yeah, that's the analog. Yeah. How tradable is, and and I would actually argue that Brogdon's a better player than Van Fleet because Brogdon has shown the ability to run an offense. Um, whereas Van Fleet can handle the offense on possessions, on a possession by possession basis. He's not like, you don't want Fred Van Fleet to be your starting point guard. I, I feel like I know enough to, to say that. Um, but then I think about a guy like Eric Bledsoe and fans are – listen, I'm sure someone's listening to this like you're really going to compare Fred Van Fleet to Eric Bledsoe. Well, guess what? Eric Bledsoe made an all-star team and Eric Bledsoe made all defense. Um, I think he made an all-star team or he was – if he didn't, he was damn close. He's only making uh, – he's making less than Van Fleet would make, that's for sure, by a, a few million dollars a year. Um, And like I, is that contract a good contract? And it's like uh, this stuff can turn quickly. It's not whether it's necessarily objectively
1: a good contract. Like thirty, all other 29 teams would say, yes, we want it. It's if you can find one team or the team that has the guy that you're trading. Exactly. For to take him. And I just, I struggle to find a a scenario where Van Vliet is not useful. Like he can play the one or the two. He can play off ball. He's a good defender. Like, as long as he's not hurt that's maybe he's overpaid but assuming you're trading for someone who's in a small market who wants to leave that small market because that small market can't bring anyone else in to help them they are not going to sign someone like fred Rambleet in free agency anyway or it's at least unlikely
0: no i i think well,
2: well
1: I, just, I just don't know i mean obviously which is it's not a given it's it's not a hundred percent but if you're looking at the two roads and your argument for going with Paul over Van Vliet is that Van Vliet may not be an asset in three years' time, when Chris Paul is going to be God knows where. I and you have to give stuff up to him. I, I don't know. It's. It's. I would I would fall more on the on the Fred side of the fence.
0: No, and there's an listen. It's, there's an I'm playing devil's advocate, but there, there is an argument. There's a real. There's a good argument, um, and I agree with you. There are are even if a guy is overpaid, you he could still be the center because you, because ultimately the team that's getting him is getting a guy that's going to help them. And I think at the at, at, when you come right down to it, um, there's never – I don't think – maybe his famous last words. I don't think there's a situation where Fred Van Fleet is going to turn into a player that you question whether or not he could help you no matter yeah. who who else you have for sure on your team but that you know it's funny i say that and then it's like all it takes is a 20 game shooting slump for, for a contract to turn around and look really bad yeah. um i don't always, i don't know uh, i think he's a good shooter and i think you know they would the
1: Raptors wouldn't have won the title without him last year no 100% yeah like i mean i mean what do we want what, what where's the hypothetical player who's going to be uh good for the young guys, gonna fit in, is actually available, uh, maybe an asset, or or in the case of the difference between this hyper version of Fred Van Vliet, will be an asset. Like it's there it's gonna be a compromise somewhere. And I think it's a palatable compromise with Fred Van Vliet. H- Having said that, you know, I think if we end up with Chris Paul, I mean, I did a. this is the best like conversation to have that we will end up with probably one of fred dunbley or chris or chris paul
0: uh i think it's 50 50 that we'll get one of them yeah
1: that's a delightful conversation like i mean i did a bit of research for this john and uh this is the sum total of my research for this podcast
0: i can't wait to hear this
1: i've got a uh i've got a little list for you um love lists you might, you might you might need to get a uh get a bucket handy um, but don't worry, this is a it's a happy list at the end of the day. So here are some names, okay? So we've got Dennis Smith Jr., Hayton, uh, Frank, Moudier, Burke, Jarrett Jack, Ramon Sessions, Derek Rose, Brandon Jennings, Jose Calderon, and Grant, Shane Larkin, Pablo Prigioni, Raymond Felton, Bino Woodrick, Jason Kidd, Jerry Millin, Baron Davis, Tony Douglas, Mike Bibby, Chauncey Billups, Chris Duhorn, Sergio Rodriguez, Nate Robinson and Stefan Marbury.
0: I forgot we had Sergio Rodriguez for a hot minute.
1: Those are our last 25 point guards, okay? Starting point guards. If we get either of Chris Paul or Fred Van Vliet, they will be by far the best point guard that we've had in that time.
0: Well, l- listen, Stefan Marbury gets his name dragged through the mud, and, you know, rightly so to a certain extent, but that, that dude could play. No, but I, I agree. Marbury. I, I agree. I, he he goes. It's one or one. I mean, if it's Paul, it's obviously. Yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah. you could argue that the day that that a thirty-five-year-old Chris Paul or whatever he's going to be thirty-six-year-old Chris Paul is the best point guard um, in Knicks history that didn't win a championship. And actually, I, I don't even think that's a hard argument to make. No, I that's, I think it's obvious.
1: Could have gone far back. I just couldn't be bothered to go that far back in basketball reference. I mean, no, it's beyond it's, Marbury. It's not like I mean the point. The point is that. <laughs> it's been either,
0: terrible. It's been awful.
1: Like, either outcome means that we'll be we'll be watching you know, the best Nick point guard of this century, apart from Stefan Marbury. Well, to... to
0: yeah, and and to, to to maybe put a bow on this this uh, this conversation to bring it back bring it back around to where we where we first started talking about reasons to be optimistic about the Knicks. There are. And as best as I could tell at this point, three possibilities. Um, they end up with a starting with Fred Van Fleet as their starting point guard. They end up with Chris Paul as their starting point guard, or I guess, I, well, no, four possibilities. They they end up with uh, DJ Augustine as their starting point guard, um, and or they end up with a point guard that they draft with the eighth pick in the draft as their starting point guard. Scenario... Scenario three and four: DJ Augustine and um, rookie point guard X. They, you want to talk about punching your ticket to the Cade sweepstakes? Yeah, exactly. You, you've punched your ticket, and then in scenarios A and B. You're you are, you know. I, I mean, that's that's a reason to get excited for a. It's it's different reasons to get excited, um, and that's what I keep coming back to when I think about why I'm I'm personally hopeful going into this. And again. Knocking on wood, famous last words. I don't know how they could significantly fuck this up, this <laughs> off, and I can't believe I just said that, but I said it, and I, I stand by it.
1: I, I mean, all four of those. There are arguments for them. There, uh, you know, if you go the latter route and you get say, Killian Hayes or DJ Olsgen or something, uh, you get you're going to lose a lot of games. So we can just watch draft highlights, uh, college highlights all year. You know there are pros to all of those arguments. It's it's a good position to be in. I actually don't think that Fred's gonna leave Toronto on balance. I don't but, either. Um, you know, I think they're gonna prioritize re signing him, but you know, we should be in the mix. We should we should want to be there. But that makes the draft even more fascinating for me because if we don't get a point guard, then I feel like Chris Paul's just it's it's gonna happen. Um which is it's okay. It wouldn't be my preferred route, but you know, I'm not going to cry about it. I love Chris Paul, so.
0: I, I think if they get him, I think you'll be. I, I think it will make you happy ultimately. I think every. I think everybody will be happy ultimately that they have him because I think it will be the start of. I think it will be the start of some good things. Um, yeah, 100%. that's my. That's my. That's my. My gut I, feeling.
1: I will. I will enjoy it.
0: <laughs> I mean, how could you not well, listen? We if we enjoyed the last two years, um, I—that's I, a lie. I did not enjoy last year. I, I the seventeen-win season, I enjoyed, which was crazy to say. Really? <laughs> I no, I really did. I enjoyed that's it cool. because there was nothing at stake. There was literally nothing at stake. They were not ever favored. They were supposed to lose every game they played in, and any any positive you got, any literally any positive you got, it was like oh great. Like I didn't expect to get anything good tonight, and I got this one good thing. Well, um, yeah,
1: was the uh, was the the reason that you enjoyed it slightly propped up by what might happen in the summer.
0: Um, I not more more the more the draft pick more more the Zion sweepstakes. Okay, I yeah, yeah. I started. I think the first time I ever mentioned on this podcast that I thought the rant was more likely to go to Brooklyn than the Knicks was in, I think it was January where I first said it. Um, So yeah, I was not, um, you know, I was not guzzling the Kool-Aid, let's say. I would sip the the Kool-Aid if it was handed (laughs) to me in a nice looking cup with a straw. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: But that's that's it.
1: I mean, I think it's worked out quite well considering what's happening in Brooklyn at the moment. It's it's Um, very entertaining.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, they could they win the championship next year? Yeah, sure. They could. Um or the or the year after that. But would I do I want to be them right now and you know what it comes yeah. down to? I don't want to root for those two fucking guys. Those two guys yeah, seem yeah. like the if there's a a bar full of full of dudes and like, okay, you have to sit and have drinks with two like two guys, you know, for the next hour and bullshit with them. Those are the last two jerk offs that I would want to have anything to do with.
1: Yeah, they're, they're incredibly talented, but, like, it's exactly right. They're just so uh, sort of swami. They're very knowingly, they sort of, yeah, they're very superior, which is probably right, but it makes it harder to root for them. I'd rather root for Frank Nilekina. He's a much nicer bloke.
0: <laughs> That's what I was keeping you around until you said the word bloke, and now now that you said it. Um, this um this was great um, th- this is not the, the last time that you will be on this podcast because this was a lot of fun um, before I let you go can you um, a let me know or let the listeners know is there anything you're working on um, that or that we're gonna see soon and and B do you have anything you want to uh, you know plug or promote before we get a chat here yeah so uh, tomorrow which is Friday well Friday. When, when they're listening to this it will be Friday so so today so yeah,
1: so today um, there should be something dropping on the Strickland, which is part three of the series I've been doing on the front office guys and the coaching hires. So uh, that's Johnny Bryant. Will be tomorrow's profile. It's a uh, very tongue-in-cheek sort of uh, over-the-top gushing portraits of the guys. <laughs> um, so that's uh, that'll be dropping tomorrow, and then just generally, I'll plug everything at the uh, at the Strickland. So. Uh, it's uh yeah just a really diverse and interesting group of guys that are just creating some awesome content um of course yours included but yeah it's just it's just fun there's some really weird stuff on there and i i really <laughs> like that that's a,
0: that's a good description there is some there is some weird stuff on there it's nice that um it's nice that a group of people who enjoy um creating unique content, have the freedom to create that content. Um,
1: exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, I mean, those like, I mean, obviously Dallas's stuff the other day with X's and O's, that's just absolutely awesome. You got PD's draft stuff there uh, recently as well was incredible. And Pat will just everyone really. Schwinn had a really great piece out today, you know, praise all the draft stuff, everyone. Yeah. Um, uh, Jeremy, obviously of all the cat stuff got all bases covered over at the Strickland. So, uh, yeah, if you haven't been over there already, then head over there, and uh, I'm sure you'll find something that you like.
0: And since you forgot to do it, I will do it for you. You should follow Jack on Twitter. Um, let's see if I remember. No, I have to look it up. Your Twitter, I believe it is at Jack. Is it just at Jack Huntley?
1: No, oh, no, it's, uh, it's uh, Nick's underscore nuance.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah, how did yeah. I forget that? No, yeah. well, if you search for Jack Huntley, you, you will come up. Um yeah, probably. Yes, but it is at Nick's underscore nuance, so N U A N C E.
1: I don't always live up to the name, but I can't be asked to change it,
0: so <laughs> uh I, it's a great name. It's a we'll it's go, a fan. We'll go
1: with that. We'll go with that. No. But yeah, a- I mean um uh, I really appreciate you having me on, mate. And shout to uh uh Thomas Walter, I believe his name was. Um he he was the guy he, he sort of demanded it, so Uh, Your check's in the mail, Thomas. Don't worry about it, mate.
0: (laughs) That's, you know what? I, that's my fault because there are, there are like clearly good podcast and, you know, um, you're top of the list, but I'm sure there are other people who, if like I thought for two seconds about like, oh, I should have this person on the pod and I don't have the time to think about it because um, I am constantly running to make sure that my um, wife and daughter uh, have not uh, killed each other, which is where I'm going to go. Right now, Jack, thanks again for coming on. You're the man, dude.
1: Thanks, mate. Take care.
0: Okay, before I get to Peter Gaffney and his list of the uh, top 10 most hopeful. moments in Nick's history under the Dolan era. Um, this is actually a fun little spot that I, I recorded. Uh, a quick reminder from our friends at you know who they are because you hear me talk about them every episode. My bookie. So my bookie it's always winning season in my bookie, which is why I love my bookie. Um, it's prop bets, it's bonuses, it's cross sport wages, it's anything you could possibly want. Um, obviously we're in the midst of the finals. The NFL season is just getting started. Baseball season is happening. Uh, the draft is on the way tons of opportunities for you to win huge cash prizes as always the reminder use promo code overtime to double your first deposit new players get up to a thousand dollars in free play and one more time overtime is the promo code double your first deposit up to a thousand bucks take advantage of that offer my bookie you play you win only at my bookie Joining me now on the Knicks Film School Podcast uh, is someone that uh I have known for a while, has been kind enough to he is he is in the entertainment business. I'll just leave it at that. And uh he has reached out and given me some some tips and pointers and things, which I very much appreciated. He also so generously, uh even though it was after you know I, I stopped promoting it, um, gave a very nice donation to our um fundraiser for higher heights for America. And the best of all, he didn't just want to come in here and and talk basketball. He actually went a little overboard and did some homework for this spot. So uh, welcome to the program, Peter Gaffney. Peter, uh, first and foremost, how are you doing?
2: I'm good, John. Thanks for having me. You know, I I did give to the cause, but it was for selfish reasons, I do have to say.
0: Listen, whatever whatever works, it's fine. Um, So I was pleasantly surprised when i got your email because you had said there was something you wanted to talk about in particular and so what you went in did is you and i want to make sure i characterize this correctly put together the 20 or not 20 sorry not 20 it was originally to be 10 you extended it to 12 glimmers of hope from the dolan era and and i just i want to i think i want to be clear about this and if i mischaracterize it please let me know um these are not necessarily the twenty.
2: Well, I guess you could call them the, or the twelve best moments, rather. The, no, they, uh, you wouldn't call them the best moments. Yeah, that's so, not
0: the way I want to characterize right, it. How right. would you? And,
2: and I'll, I'll explain. So here's what you know. I'll give you a date. Here's what may be the best moment in the last twenty years for the next April eighteenth, two thousand eight. Do you know what happened on that day?
0: Um, April, April eighteenth,
2: two thousand eight.
0: 2008. So that's the end of the 2007-2008 season. Uh, it feels like that's when they fired Isaiah Thomas.
2: Exactly. Very okay. good. Very good. Go. And that's not a moment of hope. That's just a moment of relief, of confidence. Know? Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. So uh, you know, I am an optimist, and and amongst my group of Nick friends, I'm sort of known as the apologist of the group. Uh, I'm the one who, whenever the Knicks make a move, I'm probably like you. I look at the bright side. I'm optimistic about it. You know, I'm optimistic about Thibodeau. Maybe he can get something out of Kevin Knox. And, you know, so I'm optimistic about it. But I have friends who are always jaded and hopeless and they've been beaten down for the last 20 years of just abject failure. You know, they've under the the team has underperformed year after year. So as a very analytical person, what I wanted to do, wanted to try to do was quantify the Knicks incompetence. In the Dolan era. That is and, a challenge. Right. So I decided to look at every Sports Illustrated NBA preview issue of the last 20 years to see where the team was predicted to perform and where they actually ended up to get a sense of how demoralizing the, you know, these 20 years have been. You're and a better I,
0: man than me. I'll tell you that.
2: Well, and what I ended up with was uh, you know, a, a sort of deep exploration of what I see as a combination of like ineptitude and just plain bad luck. And, you know, I I kept stopping as I looked at these moments that I was hopeful about and uh, uh, during this horrible era. Um, But, you know, I just thought it was, you know, fun to go back and look at them. And what you find out, though, is at the end of the day, the exercise really didn't prove much of anything except that, you know, if you have any heart, you have to feel just so bad for Knicks fans, right? For the last twenty years. So because,
0: no, you know? I think it's okay for us to feel bad for each other because we're sure. in this together. Yes. Um, I hate when when people who are not Nick fans are like, "I feel so bad for Nick fans." That to me is like when someone, you know, like when someone, uh, like a, a someone breaks up with you, and they actually are are you know, they're, 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 oh, that's that's so that's so sad yes. that you're you're you know you're sitting there crying. Um, as I've broken your heart, like I don't need that. I just, you know, see,
2: I do. I feel like I do. I'm <laughs> happy when someone says, "I'm sorry. I'm sorry." I, I'll take that. You know, the the sympathy. That's
0: that's fair. All right, so let's go from the from the bottom up, and uh, we'll we'll maybe uh,
2: we'll, we'll start at twelve. We'll work our way up to number one. Okay. And uh, you know, just note that for every one of these little glimmers of hope, and and they're like faint. A lot of them are just faint glimmers. They really There's are for everyone there was an even bigger sort of supernova of disaster that followed and that's sort of what i came out with this too is that the hope was always sort of just dashed really quickly that is
0: that's the same theme that i
2: that i saw too okay so number 12 you have so number 12 and this is sort of a joke but it's sort of not a joke which is sadly it's not yeah it's not it was kevin knox's summer league performance in 2018
0: a you know? uh, highly memorable. I still remember he had a, I think it was a fast break dunk against the Lakers. Yes. It was, it, oh, he was draining all those threes. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we'll see that player again. Um, hey. th- that was a good one.
2: So number uh, 11, 2002, the Knicks trade for Antonio McDice.
0: Um, I was um, for reasons I cannot remember driving over the Verrazano Narrows Bridge as that, uh, draft night was happening and that trade, uh, was announced. I, I, thankfully the person driving the car did not drive off the bridge. Um, yeah, wh- he didn't, uh, it didn't work out so well.
2: It did, it did not. He, he, uh, broke his kneecap in a preseason, pre-season yeah. that first year, missed the whole season. And he ended up playing 18 games for the Knicks.
0: That's I just, I, which I couldn't, to recall one memory, one single solitary memory from any of those eighteen games.
2: But it was a big moment at the time because he was a big player, and the, and the team had always talked about trying to get him. And they, you know, they got him. And you know, you're hopeful, but uh, nope. of course, you know,
0: Pe- people forget he was actually quite a good young player when he when he first came into the league. Yes. Um, okay, let's uh, the top the top ten now. Here's number ten. Okay,
2: we're in the top ten. Num- uh, Two thousand eight. The Knicks hire uh, former Phoenix Suns head coach Mike D'Antoni. So this
0: one, it did, it did blow up with the whole mellow, you know, Jeremy Lin thing, but I actually, you know, the team was fun for when Mike coached it. So I'll say
2: that. Yes. Yes. Well, remember, you know, he had, when he came to the team in 2008, he was coming right off his, you know, great you know, job in, in the Phoenix for the Suns. he had averaged like 57 wins for the four years that he was there. So he was this hot coach, you know, at the time. Um, so, you know, you had to think, could he do it for the Knicks? But remember who his point guard was for the first two years.
0: Um, the first two years, I believe it was, was that was no, it was not still Howard Isley. He had, he had yeah. gone. Um, Oh my goodness gracious. Uh, Chris, Duhon.
2: Yes, and that's why it didn't work, Chris Duhan, Yeah, not a very good player. But I
0: do remember I was actually doing fantasy basketball back then, and it was like if you could get yourself a D'Antoni point guard, um, you know, this was probably, I guess, more when when they got Felton. But yeah, the, the, those were those were decent times. Yes. yes uh, okay, yes. number nine.
2: Number nine, 2014. Phil Jackson uh, comes home, uh, <laughs> and and becomes the president of the Knicks.
0: I, I could picture it in my head him standing up and basking in the uh garden's applause as he waves that's yeah
2: it was it was and it it was for me meaningful because it's almost like you know when uh you you love a girl in high school high school she doesn't pick you uh, she goes off to college and then one day she comes back and she says you know I it's you that I love. Right. That's what that felt like to me.
0: Except she's been divorced three times (laughs) over and has several children scattered uh, about the country. Um, Yeah, that that was, uh, again, not so great. Okay, we're really the pain is increasing. So number eight.
2: Okay, number eight is 2015 uh, when the Knicks drafted uh, Chris Stapps Porzingis.
0: Okay. So oh wait, hold on. So I move things around. Oh, him. you move things around. Okay. So when they drafted Christophs well they drafted him. We don't Chris. we don't need to uh say anything else about how that went sour. Um
2: well we'll get there. We'll get there, we we'll get get there yeah. There. But it was a you know uh of course at the draft it was not looked at, you know, remember the kid who, you know, cried. Uh and um but when you got to summer league in twenty fifteen, if you remember he you it was the first time most of us had ever seen the guy play basketball and and he you could see that there was something there. Uh, so there was a lot of promise when he was drafted.
0: Um, yeah, remember. it Well, the, the next one, I think, might be my favorite unless you've moved it to somewhere else. So number seven,
2: Okay, number seven, 2016, Derek Rose's super team prediction.
0: Um, I uh, a guest frequent guest on this pod, uh, Yash, my my buddy from law school. Um, still to this day, occasionally texts in our little te- Knicks text chain the the meme that someone created about him comparing the 2016 17 Knicks to the Warriors. they they, they they're saying they they're calling us the super teams. I want to meet who who they is. I want to meet those that that mystical they. Um,
2: yeah. 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 Uh uh yeah it was uh, it was a horrible year actually you know i was optimistic they ended up uh with a 31 to 51 record um
0: but started uh, off 16 and 14 yeah 16 it, and 13 it, it but it was the the net rating was not it, it you could tell that it was a house of cards yeah
2: that's right you know and and 2016 was also the year that I think it was sixteen or seventeen, right around this time, that uh, they signed Ron Baker to a two-year, nine million dollar contract.
0: Well, that was the yes, that was the that was the Steve Mills um, with the back to back with the DSJ. I think that oh my god, the years really are running together now. Um, I think that was two thousand seventeen.
2: Um,
0: yes, yes. So it was it was close. Yeah. Anyway, so, um, and
2: and after after they signed him, by the way. Uh, Ron Baker, he scored 85 points from there on in for the Knicks.
0: I wonder if he scored more or less than Joakim Noah. I should know that. That's a good question. I'll have to look that up. Okay, Um,
2: let's go on to number six. Yes. Number six was, uh, I call this one, the Knicks are back, which was Amari Stoudemire's quote when he signed with the Knicks in 2010. I, I put that season together as number six, the Stoudemire and then Carmelo gets traded to the Knicks that season.
0: I think that's, that's a good one. Now we're, now we're really getting into some serious territory. And that was, you know what? Listen, his, his career didn't, I, and I've, I, I was perhaps unkind to him during quarantine when I did, I think my worst, my 10 worst Knicks, uh, yeah. sign, maybe free agent signings or like players ever. I think I might have done that. And yeah. I had him right there and people were like, come on, you can't put Armari in the 10 worst Knicks ever. And I, I shouldn't have because, that he, he took the challenge and the grant right, that we paid him the money, but my God, did that contract not age? Well, um, all. all right, we're in the top five now. This was, okay. this is, can I, I will preface this by saying this is the most excited. I, I think I maybe have ever been this century as a Nick fan.
2: Really? Oh, well that's, that's good to know. So number five, uh, 2004 Nick's trade for Stefan Marbury.
0: Did you like Stefan Marbury when they got him?
2: You know, I don't know if I liked him. He had had, he came with baggage, right? You know, he had been in Minnesota, New Jersey, Phoenix, and, but you know, good stats, exciting player. uh, And so I was excited about it. Again, I'm optimistic about most of these moves. So, um, uh, and we all know how that turned out. Ultimately.
0: I I was, I I think I was about to turn, 21 um i was or whereabouts and i was like still young enough that i didn't really understand the game all that well and i was like oh my god we got stefan marbury we didn't even have to give up much because they you know meanwhile the contracts of him and and penny um okay we're up to number
2: four okay number four 2017 now this this one you know maybe higher than some would put it but it was uh, the beginning of the 2017-2018 season, when, it w- when after the Knicks had traded Carmelo, it was Chris Stapp's team. Um, that, the b- first part of that season, if you remember, he, Chris, uh, Porzingis was averaging about 30 points right at the beginning uh, of the season. The team was doing well. And there was one particular game I remember. It was against the Cavs, against LeBron. In November. And the Knicks were seven and five at the time and they had a good starting lineup. Hardaway was doing well. Porzingis, Enos Kanter, right? And I actually looked at a, um, an article about that game um, and Mike Breen, there was a quote from Mike Breen somewhere that I read that said, this place was exploding in the second quarter. It, there was there in that game. If you remember the time that Cantor stood up to LeBron when he pushed Frank Ntilikina, you remember that game? Oh, of course. I th- yes.
0: was it that early in the season? Or I th- yep. I thought that was later. I uh, thought it was
2: later too, but it was it was fairly early in the season. The Knicks were up by twenty two points I mean, in
0: that game. I know, and then they end up losing. I'll never yep. forget. I'll never forget that moment. The, the 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 game that always stands out for me from that early season run was. Um, Their win against Indiana, where I'm pretty sure Frank hit uh, a a three to either put them up or, you know, put the game out of reach. Yeah, that was that was fun. That was a lot of fun. The early part of that season.
2: That was fun. Uh, And then we we know what what happened in. So in January, Porzingis says, quote, I'm very, very tired. And then a month later, he's done. Then he's done. Yeah. Um, Okay. number three. Number three. Uh, uh, Number three. 2019. Dolan's quote from what I've heard we're going to have a very successful offseason
0: oh did they ever yes
2: (laughs) did they ever well you had to think at that moment what does he know that we don't know right and uh pick pick me (laughs) I I thought it was a a done deal I thought we were getting him
0: yeah Yeah, that's that was that was a that was an optimistic moment uh okay number two
2: number two uh 2012 2013 Uh, This was the Jason Kidd season where they got in the older players, um, the veteran leadership, and they had their best record in the Dolan era. They won 54 games. Um, And there was hope at that point, too. right? A fair amount of hope going into the playoffs.
0: So I'm not going to comment on this until I let you say number one. So what is number one?
2: Number one is, uh, of course, Lynn Sanity.
0: So I just want to say briefly, I think one of the more if I if I ever got a chance to like take off from all responsibilities, work, you know, child care for several hours a day. And I was to I don't know what it would be. It's like an oral history or writing something. I don't know. But I find it so incredibly fascinating how there I think is a split in the fan base between the people who hold up Linsanity, which is, again, it, it's really at its essence was eight games as they they hold that up as this kind of unreal thing that it's you, even though we were here for it and we experienced it, it's like it was too good to be true versus the people who were, you know, 12, 13 for them is like, how could you possibly compare eight unsustainable games from a kid that got exposed, you know, against the heat a few weeks later to a season where, you know, maybe if a couple things go different in the playoffs, they could have given Miami a run for their money. I, I think it's an, I think it's interesting the that, that, that those two things, and yes, they're clearly the top two things of, of the Dolan era. I, I, but I find it interesting that you had Linsanity one and 12, 13 uh, as two.
2: Well, and, and, with Linsanity, right, one, they hadn't had a great, good point guard in a long time. Two, there was this, you know, it's like, it's like finding a, a, a $1,000 bill, it, like, on the ground, right? It was this thing that it was nothing, right? And remember, the year before was the year they had gotten Carmelo and Stoudemire. And I remember specifically a game, this was after that 8-9 game run, but, but he was still, you know, doing well. And it was a game against the Dallas Mavericks. And I remember thinking, they starting five of Anthony Stoudemire was, uh, um, Chandler, um, uh, Jeremy Lin, and Fields, who, you know, he was not great. but And they had J.R. Smith coming off the bench, Iman Shumpert, Steve Novak. I said, this team could actually compete. Now, of course, as all of these moments do end in disaster, uh, Lin gets hurt. They lost... In I think it was four or five games to the Heat. They lost.
0: Year. They lost in five. That was the the when they went down. Oh, three. And then the, you know, balloons and confetti dropped uh, when they, when they staved off a sweep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I remember yeah.
2: in game one of that series, Baron Davis's knee got like, Oh, I, I, remember I remember that. that I and remember Shumper that quite well. Got hurt that game. It was like over in, in one half of the playoffs.
0: And so then I mean, Stoudemire put his hand through the fire extinguisher um, right. later, that's later. Right. Yeah. No, it was, it's not, that's right. it's, yeah, it really, you know, Linsanity for as, as great as it was early on, it did really end, um, yeah, I mean, you, you couldn't have pictured it ending that poorly, and yet I, I, I will—I would never begrudge anyone who puts this at the top of their list mm-hmm. for the century, purely because, for as great as to, 2012, 13 was, and it was—I it, mean, that was amazing. Um, th- there was a mag- There was a. There was a, a quality to Linsanity that, as it was happening, you, you, you must have thought that you would have been. Tra- you had been transported into some otherworldly
2: realm yes Um, you were gonna you were gonna use the word magic it was a magical moment yeah for whatever reason yeah um that that following year was great but it it was a lot of players who you know were sort of just for hire
0: it it didn't feel like it was the start of something long-term and sustainable it felt like all right we put this group together Um, and, and the other part of it for me, at least was, I don't know that I ever felt like, okay, this team could beat LeBron and and Wade and, and Bosch, you know? Yes.
2: You never thought that. And, and I have to say when they lost game one at home to Indiana, I was at that game. Oh, uh, wow! okay. I was like, yeah, that's, I think that's it. You yeah, know, I did, and, and it I was had so visions of you know uh, 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 an old Reggie Miller series where they lost Game One and lost in six, you know. So yeah,
0: and they and they they lost that game. Like it was that was such a depressing game because they were not. It was not competitive. They played terribly. Yes. Um, well this I I don't know if I should say was this fun this was fun no this was fun um it was a little painful but it was fun um and uh I thank you for taking the time to uh to do this thank you for donating to this cause I think um really I I very much appreciate it and uh I always give people a chance to plug or promote something before they get out of here so if you uh anything you want to say before you go
2: Well, you know, uh, since we're on a podcast, why don't I just promote my podcast, um, which is not in production, but it's a pop culture uh, nostalgia podcast called Rewind, which you can find at rewindthepodcast.com or just look up uh, Rewind when you search on your podcast platform and you should be able to find it.
0: All right. Well. Um, I, I have listened to the pod. I've listened to a few episodes. It is entertaining. I would recommend if people like a little nostalgia, um, it's, it's, it'll be right up your alley. Uh, Peter, uh, hang around for one sec, uh, before, um, I let you go, but I am going to, uh, sign off for everybody else. So thank you for listening to another episode of the Next Film School podcast and we will be back with you very soon. Giddy up.